everybody, Tim Stafford, Michael Leary here. Welcome to the Vox Podcast. Thank you for uh, giving us some time and attention. Um, we need both. Those are our love languages when it comes to podcasting. And so thank you. Um, let me tell you, we, we're in this great uh, season of our podcast where we're looking, we're just trying to unfilter the words of Jesus to us in the, in the midst of all that's crazy. I mean, we've got like literally the United States is on fire. Metaphorically, the United States is on fire and um, it's just so freaking dark out there. I mean, it is, it is really, really tough to be fully, a fully orbed, healthy um, human person and absorb um, the division, the tension, the strife, the and hatred, the smoke. The smoke. <clears throat> I mean, it is it is tough to try to try to just keep your sanity these days. So um, we are glad to be centering in this time around the words of Jesus as they come to us in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to continue to do that today. We have a couple pieces of business first. Timothy. Busyness. Yes. Yes. Um, Alicia, Kendra, Jackie, and Amy joined our little Patreon community this week. Oh. So thank you, ladies. Look at the ladies. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing that. That is so kind of you. And um, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a, it's a kind of an artistic giving platform where people can support, encourage, fund different uh, endeavors and their uh, there is a, a, a way to uh, donate. We are a 501c3, and so everything is tax deductible. But um, the, the biggest thing is that so many people believe in what's happening and that we get the opportunity to do this um, and, uh, and not have to pay uh, for the privilege of doing this. And so um, we're very grateful. Thank you. Welcome. And we very much appreciate you. Uh, yeah, and Mike just <clears> dropped <throat> a new Revelation episode. On oh, there. that is just for oh uh, Patreon list or Patreon. What do you yeah. call them? Subscribers, subscribers, supporters, supporters. patrons. Yeah, first one. So in there the... are some perks in there. Yeah, irregular, irregular, irregular. perks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that should be the new name of the podcast. Oh, that's perfect. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Irregular Perks. Yep. Um, Tim, you you would be great for that podcast. For irregular perks, yep. <laughs> that might be my calling. So I have to confess, I just I got out of therapy an hour ago. I'm super tired today. I think it's we're recording on a Friday, and it's just kind of like, ugh, it was a long week. It was yeah. a long. Every week is a long week. I'm, I'm not even sure it's Friday, but um, <laughs> we think it is. We have a suspicion that today turns out to be Friday. My computer says F R I. Perfect. So. And, and uh, on the, our computers are never wrong. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we, weeks ago, said that we wanted to look at some of the political implications of the Sermon on the Mount. Because what Jesus is inaugurating turns out to be a political entity, a community of human persons that is transnational, transethnic. Uh, that is that is uh, that is you know beyond the borders of nation states and uh, the territories defined by you know ethical racial labels, and to have a, a community of people who exist 
um, under the, the generous kingship of Jesus to become the vanguard of the new creation that is coming. And as everyone knows, we have done not a great job of this. And so um, we figured in the midst of all of this craziness, we wanted to remind ourselves that, that the kingdom of God is political. It's not partisan, but it's political. The statement that Jesus is Lord calls into question all other political allegiances. And the, and the heralding of the kingdom of God actually calls in to the values that undergird our whole democratic process. So this isn't about becoming a Republican or a Democrat or finding the Bible's way to vote. This is much more about becoming the kind of person that Jesus envisioned when he dreamt up his community and began with 12 disciples. And in that community, you find the meek and the poor in spirit and the persecuted. You find those that are peacemakers and those that are merciful. Uh, and you find folks, you know, like myself, who don't fall neatly into any of those categories, but, you know, fall into the more like um, used to be a jerk, still a jerk, working on it, but loves Jesus kind of person. <laughs> And, and and when those people get together, their their social life together is to have a kingdom flavor, and that kingdom flavor has been represented by uh, the teachings of Jesus on. Listen, we don't we don't uh, we don't tolerate hypocrisy. Um, we we deal with root issues and not just symptoms, yeah. right? The the law, as good and glorious as the Torah was and is, um, it was always meant to address the heart. And, um, and what Jesus is doing is he's redefining um, common understandings of different um, uh, verses from the Old Testament. And he is showing how his teaching and his person actually will end up fulfilling them in a way that reveals their true intention from the outset. So in his kingdom, the politics of Jesus's kingdom are not built on anger and contempt. And that rules out most of our political engagement already. <laughs> the politics of Jesus are, aren't built on lust, whether that is lust sexually or the lust for more, the idea of coveting, the idea of, of Jesus's kingdom is that women are safe. They're not sexualized. They're not objectified. They're not seen as temptresses uh, and uh, have to dress modestly so that men can handle being around them. Right. This is yeah. like this is all the stuff we've been dealing with. Now we get to um, a text that our friend Aline is going to read for us that <clears throat> doesn't seem to have the same sort of resonance initially that the other topics of lust, divorce, anger, contempt uh, have had. Uh, but as it turns out, this one is foundational to them all. So, Aline, take it away. that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 
and do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Aline Strickler, the voice of an angel. Thank you for reading that, Aline. So what we want to do is we want to go through this. Remember, Jesus is um, undercutting the, the, the rightness, the righteousness of the Pharisees at the same time. He's, he is um, illustrating what the rightness of the kingdom looks like. And so, you know, he's not only projecting something that's beautiful and good, but he's also undercutting its alternative. And so um, I need to get into some background, shockingly. Take to, us back. To understand the practice of oath taking. Um, because this, when we talk about swearing, we're not talking about cussing or vulgarity. We talk about swearing, we're talking about invoking a third party to witness something. And so when, when Jesus says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. He's, he's actually summarizing a couple of different passages there. Um, we'll get to those in a second and we'll put them in context, but it's not just one thing he's summarizing. And then he gets into, well, do not swear an oath at all. And then he uses these really weird examples of by heaven or Jerusalem or earth, or even, um, you're the hair on your head. Um, you know, which for some of us is easier than others. Um, so I need to, I need to give some background because what Jesus is doing is he's, he's taking a practice that was very, very common in his day. So common, there's actually a whole tractate in the Mishnah dedicated to oaths and which oath formulas are binding and which objects of oaths are binding and all of this craziness. So I want to explain that because people in the ancient world, what they would do is they would invoke a god or one of the gods to affirm a statement and then usually add an oath formula to it, which promised uh, harm would come to them if they did not fulfill their oath. So a very common one, if you're familiar in the Old Testament, is may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if, and then you would go and make your oath. And so people, this was very, very common. It had nothing to do with cussing and profanity. So I, I want to just kind of give a super dumb, made up right now example of, uh, of, of what we're talking about. All right. On the spot, brand new. Here it is. Super fresh. This super fresh. This is, I, I've received therapy. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm looking at Tim Stafford, and this is what my brain comes up with. All right? Perfect. So, so let's say we have a couple of Jewish farmers who live next door to each other, and, um, and they have a long-established boundary and the way you would the, you so there's a lot in the in the law about boundary markers you know like when does my property begin and end i mean americans you know understand this a bit and so uh, and there's actually regulations to dispute property like how do you handle property disputes and so let's say you know um uh peter the pharisee lived next to um judy the ordinary jewish woman Peter the Pharisee and Judy, the ordinary Jewish woman. Yes. Um, live next to their neighbors, their farmers, and they, there's been a long-running dispute over pasture lands. 
And so there's this boundary marker that keeps moving back and forth. Her, her shepherds will go out and, um, and move the boundaries at night. His will move them, blah, blah, blah. Let's just say, I don't even know. Let's say that's true. And often you would, um, in such a scenario, you would go to the town elders and you would appeal to them and you would make an accusation. Um, let's say uh, Judy wants to accuse Peter of moving the boundaries um, and uh, taking some of her pasture land. What she would do is that she would swear an oath. Um, and, it's, and it's similar, you know, but it, it would be something like, um, you know, I swear by the name of Yahweh, um, or I swear by the name of the Jerusalem temple, or I swear by whatever, X, Y, and Z. And what you would be doing there is that you would be invoking some, some authority that everybody agreed was sacred to bolster the claim that you were making that your statement was true. Right. That's what an right. oath, in essence, that's what an oath did. That you would drag God uh, into your appeal and you would use God's name to make your case more persuasive. Right. To give it more heft, to add more weight. Um, so she's saying Pete moved those boundary lines while we were sleeping. And I am swearing that. Uh, and if I am, if I break that oath, may he deal with me ever so. Totally. Yeah, or if this isn't true, may he deal with me, be it ever so yeah. severely. Yeah. So, so, so there was a practice, and this was very common in the ancient Near East, not surprisingly, that you would invoke gods and goddesses as witnesses to treaties. And we see this very early in Genesis around wells and all sorts of things. All right. So this was just an oath formula. Um, and this was a way that you would add weight to the claims or assurances or promises you were making. Um and uh, and it was thought that those things those things mattered. Now, yeah. because that was the the common practice, um, by the time uh, in Exodus when when God reveals His name to His people, the name of Yahweh, um, uh, it's not surprising the name the name of God in the Old Testament, and we could spend a whole podcast on this. Names in the Old Testament weren't just monikers. They weren't just things you called people. They were destinies. They, they revealed someone's essence. So when you read that Jacob's name was deceiver, right? That tells you something about Jacob. It's not just his yeah. name, right? My parents didn't name me Mike because they envisioned a Mike kind of life for me. Right? There was just, well, Mike sounds good. I, it seems like a great <laughs> name. So let's just name him Mike. With Yahweh... That name, in fact, there were times in the Old Testament where God was simply known as the name, capital yeah. N, right? The name was Yahweh. I mean, that there wasn't this, like, you can invoke the name of Yahweh without dealing directly with Yahweh, right? That's yeah. The two were intertwined. So it's not surprising that you, you get prohibitions against using Yahweh's name in oath formulas, yeah. So uh, the, the biggest one is, and this is the heavy command, uh, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord, your God. And the older translations say you will not take his name in vain. Um, but, but the Hebrew literally means you shall not attach his name to an empty thing. 
And so attaching his name to a person, attaching his name to a statement, attaching his name to an oath, if those things are empty, then you have misused God's name. You've taken it in vain. Nothing to do about cussing here. All right. Yeah. This yeah. is I'm invoking Yahweh as an eyewitness, but I've said something false and I'm yeah. using the name of Yahweh to to try to manipulate and add add weight to the point where um, I, the other people are do, doing what I want them to do or believing what I want them to believe. Right. OK. And when you attach it to something empty, then you've taken it in vain. There was a more specific prohibition in Leviticus. Uh, Leviticus 19, do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. Yeah. I am the Lord. All right. So point one, oath taking very, very common. Point two, um, early in the story, once the name of Yahweh was given, prohibitions came against using the name of Yahweh in oaths. So what we as great creative human persons do is we developed a practice uh, where we could swear by things that um, were associated with Yahweh, but weren't Yahweh directly. And Jesus gives... Yahweh adjacent. Yes. Yes. Yahweh adjacent. I like that. So Jesus gives several examples, right? Um, either by heaven, so heaven would be something you could swear by, or earth, or Jerusalem, or the your head. I swear on my head. Or if you people, you know, we've we've seen today, people say, "Well, I swear on my mother's grave," right? Right? Or, or I swear on the Bible. So help me God. Right? We have a yeah, formula yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, so we still do the same kinds of things. Like I swear to God, this is what happened. Right, Just that's to lend lend some weight to your yeah your statement. Yep, yep, yep. If I really want you to know I'm serious, I'll throw something at you like that. Like I, I swear to all that's holy, this right. is what happened. Right. right. So, um, what began to happen is that people began to do two things. Number one, they would use substitutes for Yahweh, um, and Jesus gives earth, heaven. Um, temple and head, as an example, Earth, wind and fire, and the, and those as well. Um, and he, what they would happen is that they would then scale the weight of oaths. And, and what I mean here is, if th- th- there were certain, if you made an oath by the gold of the altar, it was binding. But if you made the oath by the altar itself without referring to the gold it wasn't binding okay so there were these gradations of truth telling based on what you invoked so if you made an oath based on the gold people are like oh dang uh mike is this is serious but if you're like you made an oath by the altar it'd be like yeah maybe maybe um, so okay. Jesus actually deals with this. If you want to read this, I'm, I'm going to read it briefly. But Jesus deals with this practice when he's rebuking the Pharisees. So there are two issues. One is swearing by Yahweh and other substituting things that weren't Yahweh, yeah. but associated with him. And then the second is making all of these stupid to us distinctions between these fine lines between swearing by this versus this. And Jesus deals with that second one in Matthew 
23, he says, woe to you blind guides. You say, and he quotes them, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. Right? So that was what the Pharisees were teaching. If you yeah. swear by the temple, it's fine. But but if you swear by the gold of the temple, well, that that means you're bound by it. He responds to that by saying, you blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gift in the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes it the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and the one who sits on it. In other words... Right? That the the dumb distinctions that were being made there do not do not hold in God's eyes. Yeah. Right? Because actually if you swear by anything, you're swearing by Yahweh. Yeah. Because Yahweh is all and in all and sits behind all. Now that is Jesus' exact line of argumentation when we come back to the Sermon on the Mount. Right? He says, again, you've heard it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, which for it is God's throne. Right? So you're trying to avoid swearing by Yahweh and you invoke heaven. Sorry. That's the Yahweh's throne or earth. It is his footstool. That's a quote from the Psalms right. or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Now, notice what he's done. First, um, he's done what he did in Matthew 23. Every other substitute you use for Yahweh actually is still a reference to Yahweh. Yeah. Right? So, you want to swear by heaven? Great. He dwells there. The earth, he dwells here. Your head, you can't even control the hair that grows. What are you talking about? God made that, right? There's nothing that's less. You can't swear yeah. by anything. But then what he does, and this, my goodness, if you're with us still through <laughs> this, this is where it gets super interesting. He goes after why they swear oaths at all. So it's not just the way they were taking oaths was wrong, but it was why people felt the need to use them to begin with. Oh, snap. <laughs> so it's a genius because he is delineating um, like the way that we weight importance on these things all the way. Like it's yep. just a, like a constant, like yep. it's like a, one of those little Russian packing dolls. Yep. So on, on the, you know, on the one sense, he's dealing with the symptom. Hey guys, you can't, you can't play these games. It's all yeah. Yahweh. So stop. But secondly, let's go after why you even need to swear an oath to begin yeah. with. Oh, now Dallas Willard. Okay, so one of the best books on the Sermon on the Mount is this chunk in a book called The Divine Conspiracy, which is one of my top three books of all time ever. And Willard goes through the Sermon on the Mount. And here's, here's a quote 
from the divine conspiracy. I, there are several that I'm going to refer to, but here's one where he talks about what Jesus has just done in this verse. All right. The essence of swearing that Jesus targets here is about invoking something or someone else, especially God, to make your own words seem more significant and weighty. The aim is to impress others with your seriousness or piety so that you can get what you want. Yeah. It's a device of manipulation designed to override the judgment or input of others in order to possess them for our purposes. It is manipulation or, as we say in our culture, it is spin. And Jesus says this is evil. Instead of loving and honoring others with truthfulness, the intent is to get one's way by verbal manipulation of the thoughts and choices of others. Holy moly, right? That, <laughs> that's what the deal is. So his last line about just letting your yes, the, the, the Greek literally reads, let your word stand for itself. Yes, yes, yeah. no, no. It doesn't need any bolstering. I feel like the, all the people that are, have been sitting at the feet as he's been going through this, like, I'm trying, I'm always, every time we start, I'm trying to remember the through line and everything he's already said. Yeah. And I feel like they must be exhausted. <laughs> well, remember, he's not giving law. He's using know, illustrations. It's just, it's just, right. But it's just like so much of the, the world there and here is being, I mean, we're, we're doing this in seven day intervals. Right. They're doing this in real time. And uh, I feel like they're like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, this oath-taking was so common for Jesus to say, don't swear at all. Now, yeah. now he's using hyperbole because there, like Peter swears an oath and God swears an oath by himself. I mean, so of course there's nuance here. But where it really clicks in for us is swearing as verbal manipulation. Yeah, that's oath taking as verbal manipulation. It's the way we hide and manipulate other people, which is what Willard is pointing out. And D. He, Willie. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't even know what to say to that. Except, Sorry. <laughs> God rest his soul. I don't think he was. I don't think he's ever been called that by anybody ever. But. He should be. And, it's a remix. Um, it, yes. Divine Conspiracy remix. Um, and so, so the idea is that Jesus cuts right to the heart of why we try to manipulate. Now, let's talk about how this looks because invoking... So well, let's use it in two different ways. All right? Um, one, and it's the two ways that, that oath-taking was wrong. One is the gradation of truth, right? If you make an oath by this, you have to keep your word. But if you don't, if you make an oath by that, you don't have to keep your word, yeah. right? So the gradations, that's one thing. The other thing that Jesus is dealing with is why do you have to make oaths to begin with? It's right. all going back to Yahweh, right? So you can't just, so, so on the one hand, you have casual speech to death in our world about, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll call you back. Mm -hmm. Sure, I'll pray yep. for you. Right? None of those things are true. We all know they're not true. They have no integrity most of the time. 
But the idea in the second category of invoking God to add weight to something. Yeah. Oh, my word. Christian culture, Mike Erie and the church have just done horrendous damage. Right? Because um, and Gombas, you know, kind of goes at this a little bit in one of our earlier episodes. But it's like, how can you argue with what God told me? Right. Right. You're invoking invoking God yep. to back up whatever it is you want to do. And, um, and so taking the Lord's name in vain is not saying, God damn it. Right. Taking the Lord's name in vain is using empty Christian talk to justify selfish motives and interests, right? That's taking the Lord's name in vain. That's yep. the kind of swearing that Jesus is super interested in. Because we do that all the time as a church. Hey, God's leading in this direction. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. The leadership read a, 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 a business strategy book and we prayed at a couple of uh, business meetings for maybe 10 minutes. And other than that, I didn't think a whole lot about it. But, you know, the pastor came in and made this persuasive case about this. We took a survey of our church and this area really needs growth. So it seems like God's calling us this way. Yep. Or... No, we just thought it was a good idea. See, yeah, I this has just been, and we talked about this on the phone yesterday. I th this idea of Christian rhetoric has been like a thorn in my side for about a, I don't know, a long time. <laughs> and that example that you just gave there, I think, is a really interesting one because it's um, so. What what is the right version of that, right? So there is that meeting. Hey, this is God told us this is the direction we're going, or God told us that we're going to do this, or God told us that we're going to do this, and um, and, and maybe it was just uh, reading a book and not a lot of thought, or maybe they sat and talked about it for like three months and still yeah. came to this decision that yeah. God decided this was the direction to go in. However, uh, it is so hard to parse that out. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and you know, God is not in the business of sending emails, so it's difficult <laughs> to... Uh, so with the right version of that to be, like the honest version of that to be, we we talked about this and prayed about this a lot. We're going to go in this direction. We might be wrong. Oh, or, or you know what I mean? Like giving yourself. Yeah. Not give, that's the wrong way to say that. But like, right? Like, no. Not speaking with such huge authority that uh, you are speaking on behalf of God. Or I don't yeah, know. I don't know how to phrase that. No, that's that's the key question. And I don't know that I have a good answer other than what they did in the Book of Acts. When they met for um, uh, the Jerusalem Council, it was Paul and Peter meeting with Gentiles, and then the Judaizers were saying, no, you, they, the Gentiles have to become Jewish, and then they can worship Jesus. They have this huge confab about it that we just, it's like, you know, a couple of paragraphs. But they write this letter, and it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that dot, mm. dot, dot. And I always thought that language is super interesting because they're also, of course, in the Bible is prophetic language. Like later on in Acts, it's, hey, Jerusalem is going to have a famine. God has said this, right? Or you're interpreting a dream and God has given me the interpretation of this dream. So, so there is room. Uh, I do think God directs and guides. I think it's impossible for us to make a definitive statement ahead of time. Mm 
I think the yeah. only time we can make a definitive statement is in the rearview mirror. And I can see there, God led that. God guided me there. Yeah. But beforehand, I am way too complex a creature to, and I've just learned this about myself. I can over-spiritualize anything. I can over-spiritualize any damn thing I want. And, um, and that is tragic and horrific and the damage. I mean, I've, the horror stories I've heard, even about Christian dating that somehow involve, Hey, God told me we were going to be married. Yeah. I mean, poor girl. (laughs) Yeah. What, how, how do you, I mean, oh, and so, you know, what Gombas has recommended is, well, you just don't even go there. You just can't even go there. Don't even use that language. And I think there's something to that for sure. I think that language is used or you can use that language, but it's best in rearview mirror affirmed by other people. Yeah. Um, so as I make decisions, I no longer is, Hey, God's calling me. I like the, well, it seemed good to us. Yeah. It seemed like this was the wise, because remember, if it, if, it, if it looks like a left turn in hindsight, it's like, Oh, yeah, maybe we blew it. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's such a huge thing that we're unwilling to do, and uh, there's a lot of it in the mainstream media right now. Um, just saying, like, we were wrong. Yeah, and yeah. We'd like to be better at correcting that. <laughs> or yeah. So 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 first, the first example of this are all of the ways we as Christians invoke God, or hey, this is the biblical view. Or this is what the Bible clearly says. No, in some cases, that's really true. The Bible clearly does say X, but I've always found people use that phrase in cases where the Bible isn't as clear. Right. (laughs) And so I don't know that you can always say the Bible's super clear on this. Okay. How much study have you done on this, right? Have you yeah. read all the scholarship? Have you looked at the either original languages or the, their best interpreters and translators? Right. I mean, you just, so, so I think there's a sense in which the God talk we use is a way of manipulating each other. And we yes. have a dear friend going through a divorce and the spouse who is being divorced, all right? Um, is using God talk like you must submit to me. Um, you, I mean, just you know, quoting verses that are nothing like what Jesus would sound like if he were to quote them. Uh, but yeah. to do that in order to maintain power. Yeah. And so this, this actually, I mean, you talk about you deal with this one. The kingdom of God is to be a place where love of God and love of neighbor are foremost. What corrupts? <laughs> more than anything else the desire we have either out of fear or out of a need for control or power or whatever that we manipulate each other by using god talk yep and um so it's uh, it, it it is endemic in the christian community and a lot of the modern worship music feeds it because it's just it's just teaching me about me and jesus and how i'm feeling about jesus and I don't mean to be the guy, the old guy saying, get off my lawn. I'm a huge fan of a lot of it. But but the corrective um, <laughs> to what, what we're seeing is like deeper involvement in community and deeper involvement in church and deeper. Invo- and I don't mean church as institution. I mean, church as gathering together as the body of Jesus 
and yeah. practicing this stuff. Worship so, is a great example of that because it is a lot of those songs. I'll be the old man on the lawn if you don't want to. The, <laughs> some of those songs will be like it'll be a line of scripture and then a line from a completely different piece of scripture. They'll they'll manipulate the lyrics to make a statement that none of the original things meant to say. Mm, mm. And you'll be sitting there sometimes and you're like, I don't even know what I'm like. Right. Even in like a narrative, I don't even know what I'm singing. <laughs> like I don't even know what the. It's very. It's yeah. Yeah. So you have, get so off my lawn. Get them off those kids. Kids these days and their skateboards. Um, <laughs> so so, uh, one place this has immediate application. I believe God get, guides, directs, speaks. Yeah. I just don't think you can definitively say it. And use it as a bludgeon like that, man, I am so opposed to. That's just, that is immaturity and that is harm, man. That is harm. Um, I can point out God's work often with 100% certainty in the rearview mirror. Oh my goodness, God pulled that together. That's ridiculous. But I've made so many mistakes about that, you know, so many. And I've I found I have an endless capacity for spiritual justification. Hmm. <laughs> so all right but let's 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 probe a little little further into this Timothy. Yes. I'm ready. Think about the shovel. political environment we live in. Spin is literally we have a word for this and it's with a spin room baby and it's totally <laughs> tolerated. It's accepted as a normal part of human discourse that we will mislead, tell half the truth, focus on the worst in our opponents, the best in ourselves, right? I mean, we will not apologize. We will not be humble. We will never admit ground. We'll never find compromise. I mean, that whole way of orienting is antithetical to the project of the kingdom of God in Christ. You cannot participate in both. Right, not fully, not with full allegiance and engagement. You you can try, but I mean, if your Facebook feed is nothing but you slamming other people with memes and talking right. points, that is not the way of Christ. It's just not. And if you think you're doing the kingdom of God any favors by doing that, or me, right? I mean, that's taking the Lord's name in vain, just mm -hmm. as sure as anything else. When you put Christian on your bio and then you're mean you know, and a jerk and you don't care because in the name of rightness, you know, you're just going to slam anybody who has a different opinion. I mean, that's taking God's name in vain. The most empty thing God's name can be attached to is us. Right? So swearing, man, that has very little to do with what language you use when it comes to God's name. It has everything to do with how we verb verbally manipulate each other. Yeah. And especially as a Christian, and publicizing yourself as a Christian to spin and to do image management, right? That is, that is antithetical to the kingdom. Absolutely. And yet look at our social media feeds, our Instagram posts. I mean, even, the, even churches, it's all beautiful people being happy all of the time, being young and <laughs> awesome. And I just want to puke my guts out, right? I'm, I used to be young and awesome. And even then, it wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah. I used to be young and awesome, and look where it got me. Yes. Old, angry, get off when my... When I got a nice lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and I read D. Willie, sitting on my uh, 
my um, D Willie. Yeah, <laughs> sit in my hammock, my nice yard. All right, so we have a we we kingdom people are to practice a politics of truth telling. That doesn't mean like jerkwad, you're an idiot, truth telling, and you're going to burn in hell. That means literally we're we are seeking truth. We are yeah. the God of light. We follow light wherever it leads us. We're not afraid of science. We're not afraid of investigation. We're not afraid of accountability. We're not afraid of confession. We're not afraid of not having the perfect image. I mean, just imagine the face of the evangelical church. And we just started confessing, literally started confessing our sins. Yeah. I mean, people today aren't expecting us to be perfect. But just to be honest, would be such a great start. Yeah, or people are expecting us to be perfect because we project Expect this them. thing that yeah, or that we we tell them that we are. So you know what I mean? Like we project this idea of we are perfect in our faith. Yeah. Therefore, yeah, yeah, uh, we're the unblemished ones. Yes, yeah, so and we, then when the blemishes are finally exposed, it's like, <laughs> oh, oh. Hey, yo. Hello. Um, then let's push this a little further. Let's go. Because so far I've ragged on past me as a Christian user of, well, this seems like God's will. And I've ragged on other people on Facebook who post memes. And But Jesus here confronts me with all of the ways I present myself. Uh, that are not authentic too. all of the ways I, again, it's not taking an oath. Like I look at that practice, like, Oh dude, I'd never do that. But if you define oath taking and the reason we take oaths as manipulating each other verbally, well, good night. I mean, that opens up everything. Think think about name droppers. Hmm. What are they doing when people are name dropping? What are they telling you? Because I'm associated with this important person. I am important. Or, or when I get asked a hard question in front of an audience that I'm supposed to be like one of the smartest people in the room and I don't know right. the answer and I start BSing right. anyway, what am I doing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm using my words as a screen. I'm hiding. I'm manipulating. Mm-hmm. I'm not, one of the things I learned in therapy. So I was at this, um, uh, center in Tennessee early in January for an intense, like it's, they call it an intensive for six and a half days of group therapy. Um, and, uh, around sexual issues. And, um, and so there were some, some people there who were still hiding from the information from their spouses. And the therapist said something that I think Jesus would totally agree with. Confession, non by not confessing, you're not giving your spouse the choice. You're robbing them of free will. You're not mm-hmm. honoring their dignity, right? Hiding the truth, hindering the truth, slanting the truth. Um, all of that isn't honoring other people as image bearers. That's not mm-hmm. loving your neighbor, Yeah. right? And so what's confession do? Confession gives people a choice. Yeah, oh. that's scary. Huh? And that can be scary. Oh, it's unbelievably scary. That's yeah. what we've been hiding from the whole time. Yep. Is the choice. Right? 
And so, I mean, I used to, <laughs> I remember in fourth grade, I, um, I had a parent conference, third or fourth grade, I'm thinking it's fourth, Mrs. Klein's class. And um, Mrs. Klein, my, and this is one of the few memories I have of my parents married. Uh, they divorced when I was nine. But they were in this, in our classroom, and Mrs. Klein said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that Michael was in the hospital. How's he doing? <laughs> and my parents look at each other and are like, he's not been in the hospital. And I feel this, for the first time, I felt that weight of, you know, <laughs> oh. So they excuse me out, out into the hallway. I have no memory of what happened after this. <laughs> but, but I remember that... Um, I felt like I had to top whatever anybody else had been doing that weekend by right. coming up with something extravagant. Right. So, yeah, I, I remember saying I was in the hospital while I watched the football game or something. Right? Just so, so idiotic. And what Jesus is getting at is all of that stuff. It's not, it's not just you know, so help me God, although that's a part of it. And it's not just the casual language that we don't even mean half the time that we say that's part of it, but he's getting at the fact that the reason we can't let our words stand is because our words aren't designed to be honest. They're designed to protect us and they're designed to impress others and to right harm or whatever. Our words are never designed to convey accurate information, at least not often. Yeah. I don't really trust people with my feelings. I don't really trust people with my opinions. I don't really do that because there's so such high consequence for doing so. And so we just have, you know, it's like pro-life. Okay. If I'm pro-life, evidently that means I can be the biggest, meanest, awfulest person about the people who are born. But if I'm pro-life, then I fit into the super group. Or if I'm pro-choice, right? I mean, those labels do all the work. Right. Right? They don't they're honoring us as image bearers. Is this making sense? Yeah. And I'm asking that because I finished that rant. I'm like, does that even make sense? <laughs> Am I ranting into the void? Into the void, into the great wide open. And I guess I get fired up, Tim, because I'm so guilty of this. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you just I, I it's it's great. We should just be people that are known as truth tellers and folks that don't need to bolster our claims by attaching something that, that we think carries more weight. We should just be yeah. people or that, that are known as just, yeah. Let yep. your word stand on its own. And I'm like, man, that, that way of translating it's like, whoa. That's so good. So I don't know, man. I just sit and I go, okay. Um, part of part of me is an outward processor, so mm -hmm. sometimes I don't even know what I think until I start talking, and then I'll contradict right. myself five minutes later because I talked myself into a new position. Right. So I want grace for that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. There, there's this great verse in Ecclesiastes about, you know, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to not remember it correctly, but it, it ends with, um, you are God 
in heaven and I'm here on earth. And so I'll let my words be few. It's also a worship mm-hmm. song somewhere. Yep, but, it um, sure is. Maybe I'm <laughs> quoting the worship song rather than the Bible, but it's but based on a passage. Few, Jesus, I'm so in love with you. Oh, so, no, no, isn't that, no. Is that where it went? I don't know. I think so. No, no. That was an oldie. Oh, I think I quoted it, though. I want to look. I, wanna, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quote the Bible. I quoted an old worship song. <laughs> anyway, I think there's something to say uh, about that as I've, you know, talked for the last hour. Let me let the guy who's been talking for an hour say, let your words be for you. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. This stuff just, this wrecks me. So it's again, it's Jesus. I mean, uh, just reimagine a community where anger was worked on, where contempt wasn't tolerated and reconciliation pursued, where women were safe and not objectified. Mm-hmm where commitments were honored except in the most extreme circumstances and where your yes was yes and your no was no and you didn't feel the need to spin or claim credit for stuff you didn't do or invent stays in the hospital just to feel special or whatever. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing that changes the world, doesn't it? I think maybe. So I I had a question come in that deals with this. And this is this will be a good way to end it because this throws a wrench into the whole the whole works. All right. So the question, and literally the, the it says from Loki L O K I, which I love that. You're all, if you're throwing in questions, your name's Loki. Unless I'm mispronouncing it, you're going to get on. You're going to get on. You're going to get airtime. I mean, that's just absolutely the way that's going to happen. Hi guys, love what you're doing. Uh, Enjoyed the Sermon on the Mount breakdown. My question is in reference to a comment you made. Um, Is there a time to lie in the Bible? Um, Jesus gave exceptions to breaking the Sabbath. Could there be a time when lying is appropriate? Hmm. Um, and, And she actually gives an answer to her own question. She references... Uh, in Exodus, where the Hebrew midwives lie to Pharaoh, they're supposed to uh, murder the Hebrew infants, but they don't. And they they always they and they look at Pharaoh and say, "Oh, by the way, yeah, those those Hebrew uh, mothers, man, they give birth before we can even get there. Sorry, and that's a total hmm. lie. And God is kind to them and gives them families of their own. It says." She even references Rahab, right? The spies come into the land, right? right? They stay at Rahab, the prostitute's house. And and the king of uh, Jericho is like, hey, where were those guys? I don't know. She's hit, she hit them upstairs. Yeah. All right? Um, and so is there a time when lying is appropriate? Well, in God's, in the kingdom, when it comes in its fullness, there'll be no need to lie. But because the kingdom has not come in its fullness, I, I think utterly and absolutely there are times to lie. Hmm. Uh, if I am if I am hiding Jews from Nazis, yes, I'm yeah. lying. Yeah. If 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 my if I can protect an innocent person's life by lying, then I will lie. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so doesn't that throw a wrench in the works? Yes and no. Yes in the sense right. of, oh, well, well, I thought your yes was supposed to be yes and your no, no. Right. Um, well, true. Absolutely true. But the ethics of Jesus are given as examples of the kind of rightness of the kingdom that was in this context used against oath taking. When in other places, Jesus's father very clearly blesses people who have deceived those in power from harming God's people, they've not been condemned. So clearly yeah. there is a place to do that. Yeah, and I if you've if ever been married, and if you've ever been married, you know darn well there are times you have to lie. <laughs> did you um, eat that last piece of pie? No. Yes, I did. I say no. In my house, because my wife doesn't like pie. Oh, man. The best those. Um, well, last yeah. week, though, you brought up, like, um, how did you phrase it? Uh, God is is the idea that God was meeting humanity kind of where it was and, and yeah, that God was, forward. what was the word you used? Um, con- uh, concession, right? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Conceding to us. It, all this whole sermon on the Mount series for me has been like, yeah, I, everything that Jesus is saying and doing, I'm tracking with. And I, and it's, he's up, up, upending these ideas and these longstanding practices and bringing it back to the, just like, you know, heart posture or something to use lack of a better term but there's this idea even in that like that there is this constant that the world is off its axis mm-hmm. and what does god has god found are there moments where lying has been that god has been like yeah that's fine sure in this world that's off the axis is that the is that the ideal no should we be trying to build communities where we are known as um truth speakers and we trust is built on truth not on um bravado or yeah um you know what i mean so you can kind of see both those those fixtures of like yeah this is this is the world as it is and uh we're we're trying we're striving or is it even a matter of trying to build the kingdom exactly or just to try to get people to fix their posture in a way that they're moving in the direct. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Creating this perfect community where everybody. You're not looking. He's not trying to create a perfect community. Exactly. Yeah. But nor is he just giving us a bunch of hopeless ideals to remind us how much we need him. Exactly. Because he's going to end this by saying, no, do this. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I get all that. That's I'm tracking with all that. And I like this. It's, it's freeing in a way. Cause it gives you, um, it gives you direction and it doesn't give you condemnation in right. the failure. If yes. That makes sense. Jesus is just unpacking what it means to love our neighbor. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that was in my head at the beginning of this, like the idea yeah. of loving God you and loving love your, your neighbor. neighbor. Uh, yep. Be reconciled with them when you're angry. Don't covet yeah. their spouse or their property. Yeah. Keep your promises. Be a person of your word. Now, we lie, or at least I should say I lie, the prim- majority of my lies have to do with social situations. I don't want to do something. And so, yeah, I can't do that. Sorry. Hmm. Um, um, or I don't want to do that, but I feel awkward just saying no. Yeah. Right. This is where people pleasing can be so toxic, right? Is because you end up 
you actually end up really being destructive because mm. uh, you just don't have the guts to say, no, I, I'm not interested in that. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and so and I think there's a, a place of health for like boundaries and those sorts of things. I haven't found a gracious way of doing that for me yet. Um, so I think, the, you know, I, I think when we, we talk of lying, um, I think we're, we're lying in ways that are just cowardly, right? They're not, they're, they're I want to be seen as good, so I minimize this truth and maximize that truth. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. so that's the kind of stuff. And I think Jesus speaks against that all, all over the place. What we're talking about when we're like protecting innocent lives, though, I think that's really clear cut. Yeah. I, I have no flinch at all about um, saying, uh, you know, if, if it was the Underground Railroad and we're freeing slaves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you look at I mean? a perfect kingdom or a perfect world and that God built uh, and that Jesus is trying to reconcile or whatever. Um, there wouldn't be Nazis and there wouldn't be slavery. Right. And you know what I mean? So it, but even a... in the world where there are those things, the pro the most of life can be, most of life can be dealt with in a truthful way if we're courageous and gentle enough. Yeah. Um, cause the reason I am not truthful is because of fear. Mm -hmm. Right. That's why I want to manipulate verbally manipulate people. You know, yeah. and I don't. I, yeah, no. I mean, I, no, I don't I'm know. Totally. I'm just processing it with you. I don't know. I may contradict no, no, no. myself I, next time. No, no, no. I'm totally. I th this idea of being an being super active in your faith, and that you should be active in your faith to the, the to the end. Right? That there is no plateau. That there is no. Um, I've made it. I'm comfortable. I, I have achieved everything <laughs> that Jesus had in mind for me. I have arrived. I am now Christian with capital C. Um, <laughs> that the fact that that doesn't exist. Cause I think that churches do sometimes project that idea that we, we have a community of like-minded, um, safe, blah, blah, blah. But this idea that Jesus is like, I'm always going to be quick to anger. I'm going to have to work against that. Yeah. Um, I, I deal with coveting. I'm going to have to work against that. Yeah. And so that requires action on my part. Yes. I'm speaking on behalf of um, Pete, the <laughs> farmer still. But right, like I have to work, or Pete has to work hard against those yeah, things yeah, totally. and most likely always will. Yep. So yep. The, Jesus is really laying out something that you have to participate in. Yeah. At, at least how I'm seeing it. Like that's how I, like it's, it's comforting for me because I have struggled with what is my role to play in all of this and mm. I'm and it's becoming more galvanized and clear to me how how like how clear that role is to play. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't I don't know where to go other than okay, giddy up. <laughs> I mean the the words of Jesus always challenge and comfort yeah exactly and um and if they're not doing both then we're not doing a good enough job getting at what they're really saying yeah because how 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 can anybody i mean if i'm in touch with my anger contempt lust you know manipulating 
how in the world do I have emotional room left over to stand, you know, in righteous anger and judgment against whoever they are? You know what I mean? That's, I don't know. I just think, I think that Michael Jackson said it best. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking Mm -hmm. him to make a change. That's there a, you have it, folks. That's a 90s. I think a 90s, right? That's 80s. Is that 80s? Okay. Anyway, 80s reference. My friends, brothers and sisters, you're awesome. Thank you. Thanks for the honor of um, being conversation partners with us and allowing us space into your life and day and thinking. And as always, we're grateful. Uh, we really are for the trust that you give us. And um, let's keep learning together. All right. Till next time, friends. Thank you for listening to this conversation. The Vox Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Vox Podcast. You can also engage with the hosts on social media at facebook.com backslash Vox Podcast, on Instagram at Vox Podcast, and on Twitter at Mike Erie. Thank you for walking this road with us.